Good morning. So as, as he mentioned, I'm Mike Brito, um, and I'm happy and so excited to be here to, to worship with you all while Adam is coming back from, from Finland. He texted me this morning just before he was about to get on the plane, and he's, he's headed back. So uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Jacqueline, and our two beautiful girls, Caitlin and Abigail, uh, and we're just excited to, to worship with you here this morning. Uh, if you're new here, if this is your first time, like me, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, if, you're, if this is your home church, w- welcome home. And I would encourage you to, to invite somebody new next week and, and bring them along with you. Um, if you've got your bulletin with you, go ahead and get it out. Um, they've filled in the blanks for you, so they made it easy. Um, and, and Adam is doing something uh, different, right? If you're 18 or under, um, you can turn these in and put your name on it. And what you can do is you can give them to me, and I'll make sure they get to Adam so they count toward your 10. He said if you fill 10 of these out, right, you get a gift card. So there's that. Um, if, you've, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and get them out or turn them on um, and turn to Luke chapter 9. We'll be in Luke chapter 9 this morning. And the astute of you will, will recognize that Luke is not one of the three shortest books of the Bible. Uh, we're actually taking a break from the small book Mighty Message series, and we'll pick that up again next week. Um, he told me to preach on anything that I wanted, just stay away from those five books. So <laughs> I said, okay, I'll do that. Uh, but today we'll be, we'll be in Luke chapter 9. Now, I, I met a lot of you here this morning, met, met some of you, some brand new people, um, and whenever you meet someone, what's one of the first things that you ask them? You ask them for their name. What's the next thing you ask them a lot of the time? You, you say, what do you do, right? And, and what do you do? And what you're asking is, wh- where do you work? What do you do for a living? You know, how high on the corporate ladder have you climbed? Right? We're, we're trying to understand how to relate to the other person. We're trying to, trying to figure out some common ground, right? We're trying to understand the other person better. Uh, and maybe, you know, you're, maybe you're the manager of a retail store. Maybe you're a stay-at-home parent. Maybe you're the, the CEO of some large corporation. Or maybe you're a retired journeyman carpenter, right? Wh- whatever it is, we often tend to find our identity in the work that we do, right? We, we associate the things that we do with who we are. And, and sometimes that's why we tend to make what we do sound a little bit better, right? I, I'm not a janitor. I'm a sanitation engineer, right? But, but regardless of what you call it and regardless of what you do for work, at the end of the day, at the end of your life, what will you have to show for the work that you've done? What, what will be the end result? Maybe, maybe a comfortable retirement. Or, or maybe you're, you're leaving an inheritance that you can pass on to your children or to your grandchildren. Now, now, both of these things are great. And Proverbs 13 says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. But what if the work that you did could have an impact more than just on your family, but could have an eternal impact Today, I want to talk about working for God. And to do that, we'll be looking at a familiar miracle. We'll be looking at the feeding of the 5,000. And it's the only miracle, other than the resurrection, that is, appears in all four Gospels. Uh, but today, like we talked about, we'll be focusing on the account in Luke. 
So again, if you've got your Bibles, open them up, turn them on, turn to Luke chapter 9, and I'm going to start in verse 10, right? I'm reading from the ESV. It says, on their return, the apostles told him all that they had done, and he took them and he withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida, and when the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away and go into, to go into the surrounding villages and countrysides and find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are going to go and buy food for all of these people, for there are about five thousand men. And he Excuse me. And, and he said this to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and had them all sit down. After taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. Let's pray. But as we pray, I want you to pray three things with me this, today. There's three elements. Pray that God would speak to you from his word today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, we just thank you for your word and for this time that we can come together to, to study your word. God, I pray that, that I would be minimized and that you would be maximized, God, that you would be magnified Lord, I pray that your, your name would be lifted high and that, that you would, for each person here, God, and those watching online, that you would speak to us today from your word. God, I pray that you would do this in your son's mighty name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I want you to look at, at, at three things that this miracle teaches us about what it's like to work for God. The first point and the first kind of fill-in that was already filled in is that God wants to include us in his work. God wants to include us in his work. Take a look at the verse 10. It says, On their return, the apostles told, them, told him all that they had done. But what did they do? Whenever you come across a strange passage like this in the Bible and you, you, you're faced with a question, don't just skip it and move on. Try to figure out what's going on. If we back up to the start of chapter 9, we can learn a little bit about what the disciples were doing. So let's read Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. It says, And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing on your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now here we learn that, that Jesus sent out his disciples to do the work of God, right? To, to heal people to, to share the good news of the kingdom of God, that, that God was coming, the kingdom of God was at hand. Now again, this is the first time Jesus includes his disciples in the ministry. He gives them work to do. And, and in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus gives his disciples work to do as well. 
In the first part of verse 13, Jesus tells his disciples, you give them something to eat. You see, from the very start of the miracle, Jesus wants to include his disciples. Then he gave them three distinct tasks. He said, in verse 14, he tells his disciples to seat everyone in groups of 50. In verse 16, he says, Jesus gave the food to the disciples to distribute to the people. And in verse 17, he had the disciples clean up and collect the extra food. You see, the disciples were included in his work. And in the same way, we too are called to share in God's work. Now, we're probably not going to go out casting out demons or or healing the sick, um, but we, we are called to be involved in God's work. But what does that look like? What, what, is, what does it look like to work for God? What is God's work? Jesus said that he came to save, seek and to save the lost. And, and in Matthew chapter 28, he gives us the, the great commission, right? He says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Right? Our, our job, our work that, that, that God is wanting to include us in is to make disciples. And, and that may look like sharing the gospel. That may look like um, you know, sharing with your friend or your neighbor. But, but it also might look like just doing something kind for someone, right? Identifying somebody who is outcast or, or maybe ignored and including them, bringing them, them alongside you, right? Maybe, maybe that work is helping somebody in need financially or getting involved in a ministry or starting a new ministry. Maybe it's walking for a good cause, right? Maybe it's teaching somebody younger than you about the Bible. Whatever that is, we're called to make disciples, right? We've got to be careful here. There's, there's a, a dangerous saying that says, you know, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. Now, I'm here to tell you that it is necessary to use words. It's always necessary to use words. Somebody can't know that Jesus died for them and is, is wanting a relationship to restore that relationship with God just by watching the way that you live. You, you need to be able to articulate that and share that. But sometimes it starts with just a cup of cold water. And so whatever that looks like to you, whatever it is, I encourage you to get involved in God's work because only God's work has any lasting significance or the power to change the world around us. For me, what that looked like was somebody sharing the love of Christ with me. Now, I grew up in a, in a Jehovah's Witness home. I did not grow up in the church. Um, and, you know, we, we as a small child, I, I, I learned about God and kind of knew about God, you know, but, but kind of grew to resent God. I felt, I felt lonely. I hit, I hit adolescence and, and kind of became, you know, just tormented, I guess, inside. I was depressed and was even got to the point where I was suicidal. Well, when I was 14, I met somebody on the Internet who just showered me with love. Now, now, don't worry, this is not like how I met my wife or anything like that. It's not a romantic kind of story, romantic love. She became my internet mom, and she just poured out Christ's love to me. And she was doing the work of God, showing me that Jesus loved me. And she did this for four years. 
I didn't get saved until I was a freshman in college at the age of 18. So from 14 to 18, this lady from Texas, and I was living in Hawaii, so all the way across the country, was ministering to me and loving on me, doing God's work. And it took four years. And, and as a freshman in, in my dorm room, on the dorm room floor, with my internet mom on the phone, hearing her voice for the first time, I gave my life to Christ because she shared God's love with me. So I just want to encourage you, whatever that might look like for you, be involved in God's work. Now the second thing that we can see, that we can learn from this passage and second fill-in, is that God wants to empower us to do his work. In verse 16, Luke writes that Jesus gave food to the disciples to distribute to the people. But, but let's look at the same event in John. Go ahead and turn over to John chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 11. John chapter 6, verse 11 says, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them, them to those who were seated, and so the fish as much as they wanted. Now, when John talks about the same miracle, he doesn't mention the disciples at all. In fact, he says that it was Jesus who distributed the bread and the fish. So who is correct? Is the Bible contradicting itself? They can't both be correct, right? Well, remember that the Gospels are different people's views of the same exact event, right? And, and you wouldn't tell the, same, the story the same way as somebody else that was observing it. And so here John is writing about the power and the authority of Jesus. And so he's focusing on how Jesus performed this amazing miracle. And he did. But but Luke is choosing to focus on something different, on on how the disciples were included in this miracle. You see, Jesus did perform the miracle, but he did it with and through his disciples. So both are correct. How do I know this? Well, let's do a little bit of math. Now, I know nobody likes math, but nothing is impossible for God, amen? God can do anything, even maybe use basic math to teach us something about himself. And so if, if Jesus took the bread and broke it and handed it to a disciple, that would take three, maybe two seconds to do. But the Bible says that there were 5,000 men there, including women and children, so let's, let's just say that the conservative number is, is 10,000, right? At least one woman or child for, for every man there. Now, if Jesus took two seconds to break off one piece of bread, at that rate, it would take him 20,000 seconds or five and a half hours to break off 10,000 pieces of bread. And that would just give everybody one piece. And the Bible says that everybody ate till they were full and there were still a bunch left over, Right? So although it can be fun to imagine Jesus kind of handing out pieces of bread like a dealer at a card table or something, you know, that's probably not what happened. The, the, how did this miracle actually happen? The answer must have been that the disciples also miraculously broke the bread, right? As they were doing the work that God had for them to do, God caused the disciples' bread to multiply as well. Right? Remember Jesus' word in ver- words in verse 13? He said, you give them something to eat. You see, there's a biblical truth here, and that, that's wherever, whenever God gives you work to do, he will also give you the power to accomplish that work. 
Now, another pastory way to say it is that wherever God guides, God provides, right? So if, if God is calling you to help someone financially or to, to give sacrificially, know that he will continue to provide for you. If God has been nudging you to, to start a ministry here at the church, know that he will bring together both the resources and the manpower to help you get that started. If God is telling you to share the gospel with someone, you better believe that the Holy Spirit is already at work in their heart, drawing them to God. For me, the way that God provided where he guided was my call to seminary. I've already talked a little bit about how, you know, I grew up in Hawaii, Jehovah's Witness, you know, we weren't, weren't very rich, we weren't rich at all, um, you know, and, and I didn't have money, but I felt like God was telling me to, to become a pastor, right? And I wanted to, to follow that step, and, and I went to my pastor, and I said, I feel like God is calling me to be a pastor, what do I do? He said, go to seminary. Now, there are no seminaries in, in Hawaii, and I had never lived outside of the islands. I mean, I you know, went to college in, at, on Oahu, but I've never lived outside of Hawaii. And, and the closest seminary was Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary in Northern California. And, and I've, A, I've never lived outside of Hawaii. B, I had no idea what anything was like in California. And C, I had no money to go there. I had no money to, to go, no money to pay for tuition, nothing. And, and for six months, I wrestled with God. I said, no, this is, this is not for me. No, you don't want to do this. No, you don't want me. I don't want to do this. No. And I finally gave up, right? I finally gave in and said, okay, wh- whatever you want, God, I'll go, but you need to provide the way. I, you know I have no money. So I took the step of faith, and, and I put in my application, and, and the guy who, who wrote me back was Shane Tanigawa. He was the director of the BCM when I went to college, and he had, he had connected me there. And, and he was the, now the director of student services at the seminary, and he was reaching out. And he said, hey, it's good to see you, you know. We've, we've already got a bunch of people from Hawaii here, and I had no idea. We've got a bunch of people from Hawaii here, and there's a special scholarship for people from Hawaii, a full ride. Your tuition is covered. And I was just floored. God had provided everything that I needed. When God guides, God provides. Now, the third thing that we can learn from this passage is that God wants to encourage us through his work. God wants to encourage us through his work. In verse 13, when Jesus told the disciples, again, you give them something to eat, what was their response? They complained. They complained to Jesus. They said, we don't have enough resources. There was not enough food, and it would have taken far too much money to pay for dinner for everyone. It doesn't say it here in Luke, but in one of the other Gospels, it said that it would have costed 200 denarii. That's almost a year's worth of wages to pay for one meal for all of these people. Now, their, their minds were stuck, and they were focused on the, their physical circumstances, their, their, their natural circumstances. But Jesus then began to do something supernatural, right? The disciples saw this miracle happening right before their eyes and in their own hands. And when the disciples experienced God's power firsthand, they were changed. They were encouraged. You see, after the crowds left, Jesus was walking with his disciples in private, telling them about himself. 
And turn with me. Let's look at Luke chapter 9, in, starting in verse, let's see, 20, 19 and 20. So Jesus pulls them aside, and he's, he's asking them, who do the crowds say that I am? And in verse 19, they answered, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Now, this is just rumors that are going about, about Jesus, right? They, people don't know who he is. They don't understand. He's got all this power. He's got all this wisdom. But, but who is he? They don't know. They're just, they're just spitballing. They're guessing. And then Jesus said to them in verse 20, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. You see, this, after having experienced God's miraculous power, Peter no longer complained. He, he no longer looked at the, the, the physical, right? He no longer looked at the man before him. He instead understood that God was at work, right? His mind had been blown and his eyes had been opened, and he declared that Jesus was God's Messiah, the Christ, the chosen one. He was encouraged by what he experienced while he was doing God's work. And you can be too. You see, when you, when you answer God's call and step out in faith to be included in the work that God is doing, he will show up and empower you to do that work. And when you see how God can do what only he can do, you'll be encouraged to join him in his work again and again and again. It is this wonderful cycle that the Bible calls walking with God. And you can look back and see all the ways that God had been faithful to you in the past and all of the things that he had done. And, and from that, you can be encouraged and be spurred on to get, have everything that you need. You know that he will provide as you continue to work for God. You see, but, but, but working for God first requires a relationship with God. And if you're here today and you haven't quite figured that out, you're not a follower of Jesus, man, I wanted to encourage you, today is the day of salvation. Not, not one person here is perfect, right? Christians are, are all sinners. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God, right? The difference is we have a hope, right? We've put our trust in Jesus Christ. When, when we sin, we're separated from God, and there's nothing that we can do to be, make that relationship right again, right? There's this giant chasm, this giant separation from God, and we could do nothing to fix it. And so God sent Jesus, 100% man and 100% God, to be the sacrifice, to, be, to pay for the punishment that we couldn't pay, that we can't possibly pay. And, and he sacrificed his life on the cross so that we can take on his righteousness and be made right with God again. Now, if you've never heard that before, maybe you've heard it before and it's never sunk in, I want to encourage you that this is the truth. You can ask anybody here who is, who is a believer that they have stories just like this of God's faithfulness, of God's provision, of God just pouring out his love over and over and over again. And I want to encourage you to accept that, that gift, the free gift that Jesus is offering. And it's, it's very easy. As we pray, you just pray in your heart, 
that, God, I confess that I'm a sinner and, and I need you. Come into my life as best as I know how. I give my life to you as an offering. I want to give up control and have you take the steering wheel of my life. Right? Jesus, take the wheel. I want to encourage you to take that step of faith today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now, now for everyone else, those of you who are believers, whenever you, you meet someone and they ask what you do, you know, you don't need to be a weirdo and say, I work for God. That's not what you want to do. The answer genuinely, right? So tell them the answer, but let that conversation be a reminder to you that whatever you do, regardless of what you do for a job, you should always be looking for opportunities to work for God because God wants to include us in his work. He wants to empower us to do his work, and he wants to encourage us through his work. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just once again thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the amazing gift of grace that we can have in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that if anyone here does not know you, Lord, does not have a relationship with you, that even now, Lord, with their heads bowed, they would merely come before you and say, Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. God, I need you. I am in need of a Savior. I pray that you would come into my life and, and take charge. Father, I pray that as, as best as they know how, you would allow them to just come before you and lay their lives down as a living sacrifice. Father, for the rest of us, I pray that you would, you would help us to focus on you, Lord, focus more on you, to, to continue to walk with you daily. God, I pray that you would show us the opportunities and give us the strength and the power to walk through those doors and to take them as they come up. Lord, and as we, we do, I pray that you would continue to empower and encourage us as we do your work. Lord, I just pray that you would move in this place. Holy Spirit, move and spur your people to action. God, I just pray that your name again would be glorified, that everything that we say and we do would bring honor and glory to your name. We thank you and we love you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.